0: So have you ever asked uh, the question, how did I get here? And you may be asking that question this morning, especially if you have like a newborn and you're like wondering how you even got to church this morning because it's just all of a fog or something like that. But I feel like at the beginning of the year, right, we ask that question a lot like, how did I get here? How did I get here in this place in my life? And sometimes you just get to a situation like, how, how did I get here? And I remember one of the times I had to ask answer that question Um what was I, Before I was here, I had a sales job for a certain season of my life. And part of the sales job is you got a company car, a very nice Chevy Impala. Um, and I was out with my manager one day, as they do. They will ride with you and go on these sales calls. And I remember we were kind of going around for the day. We come around to the trunk. And at one point, my manager asked me, like, hey, where did those scratches on your bumper come from? So this is one of those times you have to decide, am going to tell the truth? Which, of course, you always do, right? Um, But um, the story of how the scratches got there and how did I get here in this particular moment went back several weeks. Because several weeks before that, someone had asked, hey, could you come play guitar at Young Life Club tonight? I said, sure, I can help you out. Where is it? Oh, it's out in Oviedo, and in Oviedo Woods. I'm like, oh, that sounds nice. And as it turns out, one of my favorite neighborhoods, incredible. But I'd never been there before. It's like out in the middle of nowhere. And so I'm driving down. And, and this was in the days sort of between paper maps, if any of you remember those, and where your phone had directions all the time. And these were like these dark days of the TomTom Tom GPS, uh, where it was like a separate device that somehow got stolen out of our car like three times, twice from Target. Um, and you would only get like one, one free update a year and so oftentimes the maps were not good but you did get a cool British voice mine was John Cleese um, and uh, and so I'm driving along I'm driving down 44 and it's like take a turn here I'm like this is the middle of nowhere why are we inviting like um, young life kids or high school kids out into the middle of the woods I'm like this must be like a cool like ranch house or something. so I'm driving down the road and it's like the winter time so it's getting darker earlier you know so the sun's going down and the houses are getting farther and farther apart and the, the trees are getting a little bit closer to the sides of the dirt road. I'm like, this doesn't seem right. But the GPS, like, no, just keep going. You're going to see, just keep going like another half mile and you're going to turn around like, well, this must be awesome. And so you keep going and, and like it feels more and more like a Saw movie every couple minutes. Right. Because the trees like, are like almost touching the sides of my car and the sun is down. And I'm like, I just guess I have to keep listening to the GPS. And I finally get to the end. I can no longer open my doors because the trees are done. And there is a cattle fence with a large padlock on it. And as I peer through and like shine a flashlight on the sign, it says construction entrance only for this neighborhood. This thing had been closed for years, as I find out. So now I have to back up the company Impala in a pitch black where there's not even an opportunity for a three-point, much less a 400-point turn. So I'm just hitting trees and logs, and how did I get here? I listened to the GPS too much. Now, this might remind you of a classic scene from the hit TV show, The Office, uh, one of my favorite. And so I want to play for you. This is a, just a great scene with Michael and Dwight. If you like The Office, I wasn't even going to play but I've had so many people say, please play it. So take a look at this clip. A very good point, Dwight. Make a right turn. Wait, 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 no, 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 no. It means bear right Not there. It said right. It said take a right. No, 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 look. It, it means go up to the right, bear right, over the bridge, and hook up with 307. Make a right Maybe turn. it's a shortcut, Dwight. It said go to the right. It can't mean that. There's look, a lake right there. I think it knows Straight. where it is going. This is the, the lake. machine this knows. This is the lake. Stop yelling at me. No, it's not the yelling. There's no room here. Remain calm. I have trained for this. Okay. Exit the window. Here we go. Make a U-turn, if possible. Look out for a lead-turn. Are you okay? Swim for it! I got you! I got you! Comedy gold. I think I had that exact same GPS and probably the same software update on it. Um, I knew how I got to the fence, right? I just kept listening to the GPS, step after step. Michael knows how he ends up in the lake, right? He listens to the machine. The machine knows. It's the beginning of a new year, and, and it's a time when we ask ourselves a lot of questions, right? We start asking questions about where we want to go, and oftentimes, how did we get here? How did we get where we are Today and, and if we're honest, I think most of the time we can trace where we are uh, very logically. When you have space and time to be able to look back on it, you can, you can look at the steps you took to how you ended up in life. And we take steps and those take a space. And oftentimes you look back, you go, I, I made this decision here, I did this thing. And that's not the discount. There are oftentimes situations and circumstances that are outside of our control that happened to us, that kind of shift us in a way too. But most often, they're decisions we make, and, and usually little decisions, right? Am I going to be honest in this moment? Uh, am I going to do the right thing here? Am I going to make the hard choice instead of the easy choice? And they add up over time. And, and I think if we're really honest when we start looking at it, uh, if we end up where we want to go, most often we want to take cr- credit for those circumstances, right? Like, well, I made all the good decisions. I did it. I'm here. And if we end up where we're not wanting to be, if we sort of look at our life like, I not where I want to go, we tend to blame the circumstances that are happening Around us. Last year as a church, we took a lot of the year looking at God's kingdom and trying to understand the implications of his kingdom being established in the world through the work of Christ carried out in the local church. And this year we're actually gonna zoom in quite a bit. We're gonna look at ourselves, at at our personal lives, our personal impact in the world, individually as well as corporately, how we ought to live, uh, how our living as citizens of God's kingdom is good news. To the world, and in this series called "Undone," we're going to be looking at these traditional virtues and vices that have been recognized for the church throughout time. Uh, these these kind of standard ways that we live or for or against the coming of God's kingdom. And these will give us snapshots of how we ought or ought not to live, and the good or bad that results in our lives. Uh, doing one thing or another, the, the steps that we take in life, get us somewhere. And our actions matter. Actions matter a great deal. They have an impact. They take us places. If we're virtuous, uh, we tend to end up somewhere. And oftentimes it's a good place. And if we're vice I don't know, uh, we end up somewhere else, right? To be clear though, as we start this, this is not a self-help series. This is a thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven series. However, uh, there is a very practical nature to this series as well. There are very helpful elements to this. If we do good, if we live by the virtues that are outlined here, uh, we will reap the benefits of doing good. And and if we do wrong, if we tend to go more towards the vices, we will live in the consequences of those either. Um, If you're here in the new year, right? We're kind of in this first Sunday of the new year. And because you're looking for a positive change, a way to be better, to feel better, to live a better life, I'm really glad you're here. You're actually in a great place and a great time to be asking those questions. Because if you apply what we talk about, there will be good consequences in your life. Because we're made to do good. You and I were created from the very beginning by a God that wants us to do good, to be light in the world, to be such created beings that we, we reflect his goodness and grace and love to the world. And if we're diligent and courteous and kind and humble, you'll experience the natural and good consequences of living as our God has created us to live. But most often, most often we tend to live outside of this. We tend to work against this. We tend to live the easier way The vices tend to be the easier path out of a virtue. They tend to be kind of a lesser way of being able to live these outs. And and those steps take us in a different direction. And so all of us can and should apply the wisdom that is in here in the weeks ahead. Because as my good friend and pastor uh, here, Jeff Kern, says often, is that um, God is opposed to earning, but he's not opposed to effort. We cannot earn our way into the kingdom of God. That is only through the work of Jesus, through his work, through God's work on our behalf. But we can. Work hard at it. We can reflect his character in the world, and it does matter. So my hope isn't that you would simply engage in good behaviors, but that you will tap into the transforming power of the one who designed us for good. Through Christ himself, through the work of the Holy Spirit, that he would empower you to live such a transformed life, that your life would look different, not just to you, but to the world around you and how you live. My hope is that if you start this as a quest for like doing better, to be better, all these things, that it would help you find that the fulfillment can only happen through Christ himself, and that the life that is there that you want is actually through his good work and the grace that he offers there. So these first two weeks, we're going to be talking about sloth and diligence, and I'd like to think that I got picked for diligence because I'm such a hard worker and I'm really good at checking my emails, but I'm pretty sure I'm the resident expert on sloth, and that's why that I got these two experts, and I'm not talking about the animal, though I know a lot about them too. I heard they stink. That's all I know. Um, So... The application for a week on sloth, if we were just to be really concise, they could just say, hey, uh, don't be lazy, right? If we were gonna do the application and summarize, the week for diligence could be work hard. So let's pray and be done, right? No, Uh, there's gonna be a little bit more than that. Like most things in life, knowing what to do is simple, but actually doing it, right, that's hard. Anybody like to make New Year's resolutions and resolutions people out there? You don't have to raise your hand because nobody does that here. I'm just going to assume about a third of you like to make resolutions. And I usually have some uh, like vague ones. One today I thought I wanted to be able to do a standing box jump onto the stage before, instead of using the steps. I don't think that's going to happen because I don't have any actual practical steps of how to do that on my knees probably aren't that good. But um, I was camping this week and uh, Matthias is a 10-year-old and he came up to me in the most 45-year-old man voice and he looked at me and goes, Mr. OJ, do you have any news resolutions? I'm like, what? what are you talking about like you're just like a little kid talking to me and i'm like i actually do Matthias, and let me share them with you um so they're sort of vague ones right health i want to be a little healthier right i want to make good decisions for family i want to be more proactive in these things but making the resolution is easy i don't even have any tangible ones in this mine are so vague but actually living them out that's hard if i want to be able to do a standing box jump which i really don't but i would have to be able to do like a number of things to be able to do you have to be able to break that down but i do want to be healthier so i know i need to set a goal right but goals, again, don't get us to where we want to go. Steps, work, that's what gets us there. It's so easy to say to do it, but living it out. So for the next couple of weeks, we're going to dig deeper into what it means to not do bad and to do good and what does it look like to live this out. And today, again, we're going to be talking about sloth. And the Bible paints a pretty bleak picture of what results from sloth or being lazier. In fact, the word that I really like the best that we find, especially in the Old Testament, is sluggard. Even that word has a lot to it. Even when you say it, you can just feel bad saying sluggard. Um, so we're going to look at some of the Proverbs. I just looked at Proverbs for some of these uh, scriptures about sluggards. Here it is, Proverbs 13:4, A sluggard's appetite is never filled, but the desires of the diligent are fully satisfied. Proverbs 24. Sluggards do not plow in season, so at harvest time they look but find nothing. Proverbs 6:9, How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? Proverbs 21:25. the craving of a sluggard will be the death of him because his hands refuse to work. And, and I think this last one might be my favorite image. Proverbs 26, 15, it says, a sluggard buries his hand in the dish. He is too lazy to bring it back to his mouth, right? I just think about a big bowl of tater tots and you just can't even get it back in, you're so lazy. But today we're going to be focusing on a particular verse, a particular image that the Bible gives us. It's actually on the back of your bulletins. It's found in Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verses 18. And again, it's a pretty bleak picture, but I think it helps frame what we're talking about in the midst of this, of laziness, of sloth. It says this, Ecclesiastes 10:18. Through laziness, the rafters sag. Because of idle hands, the house leaks. Through laziness, the rafters sag because of idle hands, the house leaks. And Ecclesiastes paints a grim picture of a house falling apart around a person who is unwilling to do the work required to maintain his home. And it invites us into an image of a once strong and beautiful home that has fallen into disrepair while its occupants sits idly by under the sagging roof, watching the rain drip into a bucket on the floor. And the snapshot is really a good picture of the second law of thermodynamics at play um, that and I'm sure you're all very familiar with all of the laws of thermodynamics, right? Dal, you want to come teach us? Thanks. Um, but the second law, it, it talks about entropy. It talks about disorder. And it says that in an isolated system, that entropy and disorder can never decrease over time. In an isolated system, entropy and disorder can never decrease out of time. In other words, if there's not a disruption to the natural way of things, the universe will descend into chaos. And it's true for all created beings, including our world and our lives. The basic idea is that if left untended, things don't stay the same. It's not a neutral sum game. Things actually get worse over time. And I think when we take a look at that, we know it's true, right? When we started looking at our lives, if we look at our bodies, it's a pretty easy one. If we don't work on our bodies, we know what happens. Atrophy, weight gain. Lack of energy, disease can catch up to us, right, because of that. What about our houses? Another one. I think that's why Ecclesiastes uses such a practical example. If you're in your house, light bulb burns out, you don't replace it, another one burns out, eventually you have a dark house. That's not the worst thing in the world, right? It's not helpful, but it's not the worst. But what if, what if the roof is leaking? And I get picture that's here, and the, the water starts coming in. What might be a small water intrusion at first turns into the rafters there, and then the roof sags, and the whole house can collapse under the weight of this small thing you didn't take care of. Or, Maybe the wood siding in your house starts to get wet and as it creeps up and termites come in and eat it away, we see it happen, the disorder, the entropy that can happen over time when it's not taken care of. What about our minds, right? Maybe that gets a little bit trickier, our minds, the things we value so much, our thoughts, our brains. What happens if we stop using them and exercising them? They stop growing, they stop changing, we stop learning, our minds stop being engaged, neuroplasticity decreases. We're not able to retain our memories while our fine motor skills start to go. All of these things that happen because we stop using them. What about our relationships? I mean, this is maybe the, some of the most important things in most of our lives the relationships with others and, and what happens when they're not tended over time. And we can see the natural path of laziness in those, right? If we stop pursuing people, if we stop spending time with people, we stop getting calls back, right? We, the relationship ends, it's not being active and it's not there and we start looking around like, where? where are all of our friends, but what about some of the other signs of laziness that are there? I think it can be very easy to live you, you know, a world that is so out there, maybe social media, where that it's just, I'm gonna live this life that's here, but I'm not gonna actually engage with it, right? I'm just gonna live this perfect vision of what it is and kind of put this out there, but not actually really invite people into what's really going on in life, so when the hard times come, there's no one there to sit with it because you've only ever put up a perfect image of what can be there and, and how do you do that? Or maybe, maybe the laziness is you just scroll, you're just taking in other people's lives passively, right? And I don't know about you, but if I sit there and I and I am lazy and I flip through Facebook or Instagram or anything else, about 10 posts in I'm depressed because everybody's in Monaco and I'm in Orlando, right? And everybody's life looks so perfect and mine isn't. And we're never meant to just look at other lives, we're meant to live lives, to be engaged in it, to be proactive. What about? What about in our close relationships, our marriages, our dating relationships, our our friendships? I mean, so often we just settle because we're so tired, right? We settle for Netflix and chill and just sitting there at the end of the night and watch one more, right, instead of actively engaging. And there are these signs, these cracks that happen in our relationships over time. I think they're the ones that we feel so deeply at times. Or What about our faith life, right? This is the one that I think turns bleak pretty fast, much like our relationships. I mentioned uh, on Christmas Eve that our, our faith life works actually quite different than our physical life if we don't eat Our bodies get hungry, it craves food, we need food, we know we we need to go somewhere and get it, but in our faith life, it goes to sleep. It goes dormant, we go into a comatose state, and all of a sudden, uh, we don't even realize, we're not even pursuing it anymore, because it's asleep, it's dead, it's not asking us for it anymore. And and when things come, when the hard times come, we realize we don't even know where to turn. Being lazy isn't merely about what we do with our hands, but about what we do with our lives. And not being lazy, about tending to all of our areas of our lives and our world and 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 I know that all of us can look in some area of our life and realize it's untended right because we live lives that are full and there's a lot going on I always picture you know in the cartoons where they have all the spinning plates right and they're keeping all together and as soon as the one plate starts to go it crashes them all down and everybody's crashing it's funny on a cartoon not so funny in our lives is it when things start to fall apart when the world starts coming down because we're spinning plates so often just trying to keep it together it can be overwhelming and draining and my guess My guess is when you look at your life and you see an area that's not being tended or if you're being lazy or slothful, it's not because you want to watch your world fall apart around you. You don't want to watch it disintegrate and you just can't be bothered to step into it. Though That's possible. It's certainly possible. But you're here today, so you must want to be bothered at least a little bit to move forward, right? When when I look at laziness in my own life, it's not because I I want things to be worse than it is. It's either, one, because I can't see a way for things to be better. Uh, a lack of vision for where to go, or I'm simply too worn out to muster the energy to try or to care, just the lack of rest. And and next week, when we talk about diligence, we'll talk about how to address the lack of vision. But today, I wanna talk about rest. And you might be thinking, man, you started with sloth, and now you're telling me I get the rest. You're welcome, right? Uh, You're off the hook. I'm not gonna tell you to go out and work harder. You see, diligence What we're going to talk about next week is the opposite of sloth, but we don't cure laziness with work alone. Uh, You and I are created beings, and we're broken by sin, and the pattern of the world has been forever changed since those first days. We have an irresistible proclivity towards vices, but we are made for virtue. It's actually been said that every sin is the wrong response to a God-given desire or need, that every sin at its heart is a tantalizing but insufficient alternative to a God-given desire in sloth, laziness is the insufficient response to our created need and desire for rest. We don't kill sloth by work alone. We kill sloth by also responding to the need for rest in a way that honors our limits as created beings and the one who created us. Laziness is actually the wrong response to my God-given desire for rest. But the need, the desire is valid. Because if I ignore my need for rest, and I simply try to cure laziness through working hard alone, through grit, through just pushing through it, I inevitably end up where I started, back exhausted, sitting on the couch watching the Great British Baking Show for the 14th hour, right? It just—it It is a cycle that repeats itself without the proper response of rest in the midst of it because laziness actually robs us of rest. When we get to that place, it doesn't actually ref- refill us at all. It just takes away that need and the desire that's there. Diligence may be the opposite of laziness and sloth, but it's not the antidote. I've always enjoyed reading leadership books, or at least I like to have them on my bookshelf so it looks like I do, right? Um, but throughout time, right, so most, most of the leadership wisdom over the last you know, 30, 40 years has been if you get up earlier, if you work harder than everybody else, you'll win. And for the most part, that works, right, up to a point, till the heart attack, until the thing that stops you for a while, until you have to reorient yourself a while. And it's not about not working hard. But there is wisdom and there are limits to us. And, and over the last few years, there's been a lot of the trends. If you read blogs, read the leadership posts, there's been so much around our creative order, our need for rest, our need for physical limits to our bodies and the importance of all of it. And, and I remember a couple of years ago, we were at uh, the Global Leadership Summit, which is this great speaking leadership seminar. They bring in some of the best speakers, leaders in the world, and, and they share all this stuff. And you're on the edge of your seat because there's just wisdom and platitudes and all these things. And I remember we're sitting there, and there's a, a session on rest, and we're all sitting together like, man, what's this great finding that's going to to come out of it. Are you ready to have your minds blown? Yeah? Get eight hours of sleep. <laughs> right? like, And this has been the conventional wisdom that's coming out over and over again. We don't sleep enough. And when you sleep, you're not getting good sleep. And if you just sleep, your body will restore. And you go like, of course I, I need the sleep. But so often we work so hard against it. Several years back, um, pastor or bishop now, uh, Oscar Moreo from Nairobi Chapel, um, who is one of the great leaders uh, in the world. He's at Nairobi Chapel. He comes and visits our church quite often, and a few years ago, John Parker, our lead pastor, had asked him, um, hey, would you come talk to our staff? Share anything you want. What what are you learning? What are you learning about? So he came, and he was sharing a lot of this leadership wisdom, right? He's telling us about stuff that he's learned, but then he starts talking about how science and some of the ancient wisdom backs all this stuff about limits and rest and all this stuff, and then then he started talking about the Ten Commandments, I'm like, where are you going with all this, right? Because he's kind of going down this path, and then he gets into the Fourth Commandment, the Fourth Commandment, and here it is in Exodus 20, verse 8. It says this, Remember the Sabbath by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Honor, you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Oscar observed that of all God commanded, the command about Sabbath is the one that we almost universally consider optional, right? When we, we know, we may break some of the other commandments. We may not always keep God holy. We may not always live up to all the things that are there, stealing, lying, uh, all these things. But when we do them, we know they're wrong. We know adultery is wrong. We know that lying is wrong. We know that murder is wrong. But when we don't take a Sabbath, we kind of take this take-it-or-leave-it attitude towards one of the main ones. In fact, the one he spends the most time talking about and all of the commandments. And when he spends the most energy writing onto these stone tablets, I imagine how much work it would take to put all of those words. Meanwhile, we work ourselves to death or simply give up living. Uh, Wayne Mueller in his book titled Sabbath says, if we do not allow for a rhythm of rest in our overly busy lives, illness becomes our Sabbath. Our pneumonia, our heart attacks, our accidents create Sabbath for us. I think my tendency to dismiss The Sabbath is a matter of either misunderstanding or or mystery or pride. I think there's a misunderstanding in all of it because it's placed in the category of this old sacrificial system, right? It's found in the Old Testament. It's one of the things they had to live and to be able to to earn towards God. And it, it becomes a way that they get wrong so often when you look throughout the history of the Bible, it gets twisted. But it it seems interesting that of all the commandments that God gave, this one needed so much explanation because I think he knew that we would misunderstand it in so many ways, that we would twist it into something that it's not, that we needed to understand the need for this break to focus on him. I think there's also this mystery side of it too, right? Because it says remember the Sabbath and how do you you remember the Sabbath what does that even mean and when you kind of move into the New Testament you you think well maybe Jesus will clear this up for me right because he lives this out and he often runs into people who misunderstand it and we come to him in Mark and he's walking along in the field and they're picking grains of wheat he and his disciples and the Pharisees get on him for doing work on the Sabbath day and then Jesus responds to him with this statement that should clear everything up for you he says the Sabbath was made for man not man for the Sabbath so the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath and I'm going to be honest there's not a lot of mystery resolved there. Um, it's very wise, and, and it's true when you spend enough time with it, but even when he talks about the Sabbath, there's not a lot of clarity given around the what is supposed to happen. So I think the mystery remains there, too. Like, why, why do we need to spend this time back? But I think probably the one that hits me most often is pride, right? And I'm not going to maybe say it out loud, but I'm at least going to live it that, man, the world needs me. You need me. God needs me more than I need rest. How can the world possibly function without me, right? Though I I may not even consciously think that my actions often dictate that by not taking the time to rest and be with him. Uh, Ruth Haley Barton has become an author I've really come to appreciate these last couple of years. She wrote a book called Sacred Rhythms. Um, If you're looking for anything on spiritual disciplines or kind of living this out, she's written a couple of really great books. Um, And she wrote this about Sabbath. She says, if we dig down a little deeper, we might see that our unwillingness to practice Sabbath is really our unwillingness to live within the limits of our humanity and honor our finiteness. We claim to some sense that we are indispensable and that the world cannot go on without us even for a day. Or we feel that there are certain tasks and activities that are more significant than the delights that God is wanting to share with us. This is a grandiosity that we indulge into our own peril. Let me be honest, I don't have a full understanding of the Sabbath. The mystery is still there. But I think it's really similar to tithing, right? I don't fully understand the tithe. It's all God's. Why does he need me to get part of it back? But I do know that when I obey, my life changes. And I get a deeper understanding, I think Sabbath is very much in the same order. Until you do it, until you experience it, it will not make sense. And, and the benefits of it won't be there because it looks like you're giving up a day and you are, right? You're giving up time that be spent doing other things. It might mean you have to do work at other times to be able to spend the time to rest, to do them. But something happens in the midst of it. We're able to trust him in new ways. New things happen in our souls. The mystery isn't solved but I think there are some guiding principles that I've found in the times when I've been good about this and the times when I've experienced real Sabbath rest that really help frame it and what it should be. And here are these. Here's what happens in Sabbath rest. Sabbath reminds me that I'm not God. And you may wisely ask, OJ, do you need a whole day to be reminded you're not God? Sometimes I do, right? Because though, again, I might not say it, I often live it, right? I often live that I can control things more than God can. And when you stop, and you rest and you realize that he is in control and that he is the proper God of the universe, things change. Sabbath gives space for God to work on me. It slows me down enough often to hear his voice. We've talked about uh, God will sometimes yell, sometimes will hit you upside the head in life, but oftentimes God's voice is a whisper. Oftentimes it is only in stillness that you're able to hear his voice. How would you even know the voice of God unless you have enough space to be able to hear that in Sabbath, rest gives that. It gives a regular rhythm to being able to listen to his voice, to be able to hear the voice of God himself working in our souls. The third thing is that Sabbath helps to reorient my priorities, though it can seem on its outside of being a selfish thing, right? I'm going to take a day off and I'm going to sit around and I'm going to rest and do all this stuff. And it's going to be so much about me, but really what it does, it reorient your priorities towards your family, towards the world, towards the thing God cares about because you start to be in tune with God's way. You start to be understanding who he is and what he cares about and actually gives you more energy to care about the world and about what he cares about. And the last is that Sabbath gives much needed rest, real rest, holy rest, not laziness, not just a passing rest, but an actual restorative order that allows you to do the work you need to do and to do the good things God has called you to do and i'm coming to you today with a challenge for myself as much as for you i don't have this mastered in fact sabbath for our family has happened more on accident than it has on purpose uh, i would love to say that every seventh day we have been we got it marked in the calendar and our lives revolve around that it is a goal of ours and it's something that i would love to get to you but oftentimes sabbath has happened because we didn't plan anything and we decided to turn the devices off for a morning or for a day, and we start to see the joy that comes when we do puzzles together or cook or invite people over and enjoy time together, right? When I get there, when I get there, things change. And I, and I find out a few things. I find out that I want it, right? Because we've until you experience it, you don't even know that you want it because it's something so foreign to just kind of stop and rest. And then not only do you find out that you want it, I don't know you, fi- you find out you need it, that your soul is longing for it. It's the thing that has been missing for so long that's there and that we need it together. The times I've experienced my soul is replenished. My family's happier, joy is restored. I long for it. I want it to come again. And so I I want you to invite this practice with me that if you are finding yourself in a place where you cannot get ahead because laziness has taken over, the sloth has taken over your actual need for rest, I'd invite you to rest invite you to rest, to find a rhythm of doing this together. And hold me to it. Ask me how it's going. This isn't I'm telling you to do something I don't want to do. This is a goal for us as well. It's something I desire and would love to be into this practice with you. So my challenge to you as we move into this week where the message is don't be lazy. It's the three things. One, don't be lazy. Two, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. And the third is this. Come back next week to learn about what a life of diligence looks like when properly rested and full of vision. Let's pray. And God, you are God of the Sabbath. You are the God of our lives. You are a God who has created us and know exactly who we are. You know our tendencies. You know our nature. You know our needs. You know that you have created us for good work and good things. Yet you also know the effects of sin on our life. You know the effects of sin so much as you sent your son to make a way back to you. You have offered grace on top of grace and life, on top of life to offer us new life, a life empowered with your Holy Spirit, a life that is so bright and shining in a world that is dark, a life that can be fully alive, Lord. And in so many ways, you know the ways we work against those. Even, even when we have accepted your love and grace, you know that we still slip into our old order so quickly. And in this area, God, you know our need for rest. You know that we have been created with bodies that need real rest, restorative rest, rest that points to you, rest that gives us energy to do your good work. Because God, you have called us as a church to do incredible work. Work against darkness, work against Uh, lives that are lost, work in our own personal life that matter to our neighbors, to our families, to those around us, God. But it's work that can't be done unless we're replenished in you, unless we are rested, unless we are able to do your work. So God, help us to find rest. Help us to move towards rest and away from laziness. Help us to then learn next week as we move towards diligence, what does it look like to have vision to move further towards you. But God, If our souls are stirring for rest, help us to make space for it and to experience it and to see what happens when we invite you in. I pray all of this in Jesus' name, amen.